Welcome to the Swine Time Podcast here at Pipestone. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Wayne. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we have a podcast focusing on water quality. And my guest today is Dr. Todd Williams. Todd's been with uh, the Pipestone Group here for quite a while. He's our Director of Contract Research. And I'll turn it over to Todd right now to uh, describe a little bit of what he does and his background and just give a brief introduction of himself. Todd, welcome. Thank you, Spencer. Glad to be here with you today. Uh, yeah, been with Pipestone for six years now, so veterinarian with the system, and currently my responsibilities entail performing and overseeing the contract research operations that we do here in Pipestone, and get to do some additional research on the side with that, and through some of my experiences the past couple of years, had had to focus on water quality with those, and so kind of dived in and tried learning more to see what we could do to improve water quality for our pigs. Perfect. Yeah. Within our group here, water quality is always at least in the back of our minds and uh, nobody quite feels like an expert and we're all learning as we go along. But I know just listening to you over the past few years as you've been investigating, you've learned a lot more than, than most of us have learned. So I'm glad you could be here. To start out with, Todd, I was just thinking if, if you would, over the, over the area or covering several states, Minnesota, South Dakota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Missouri, the, that region, what are the different sources of water that pig barns use? You know, where, where does water come from? Because maybe with, with one farmer thinking about his own barn, he's not aware that other farms get water from different sources. Can you kind of cover that, where those sources are, and maybe things about those sources, one a benefit of one versus the other? Sure, sure. So with that, and you know, it really depends on what geographic region you're in, Spencer. In some areas, you take for granted that you have rural water and many people have to operate off of a well. And in some of those places, the well water quality may not be so good. So at that point, you resort to a surface water. That's fairly common to see in Missouri where people will operate off of some surface water or pond water, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, really the most commons are the wells. The majority of systems are using well water today, but there are places where there is plenty of rural water and easy access to it, and it's fairly cheap, so they will run off a of true rural water just like you drink out of your water fountain. All right. So the various qualities that you might find in these things, any, any commentary on well water tends to be this way or rural water tends to be this way anything you might comment on what you might find you know for the most part i'd say when you have your rural water that water is being tempered already for human consumption so there's a lot of filtration that has already occurred with that water so i would say you can feel the most confident that you have a good quality water source there just because EPA regulations are already in place on that water. With the well water, again, you can have a very good and clean source of water with that. You know, there are times where you can have runoff in the spring or in the fall as you have heavy rains that can lead to bacterial contamination that can impact your water with that. And again, you can have the same thing with your pond or surface water with that. You know, algae would be a concern with that surface water there. You just want to make sure you have a large enough water mass that you you have good biologic activity within that and then still you'd be wise to do some type of filtration or process behind that before you put it into your animals as well. Okay, I, I know from just past experience at a few sites that had well water if it was a relatively shallow well, the water would change over the course of the year. It'd be weird things can happen or 
rural water, sharing two different supply systems, would the pH would go up and down a lot. So I know that even with one's quality of source, it might change over time as well. It, so bad water, we just say, oh, I got bad water. What is, I don't even want to get into what that exactly means quite yet, but what does bad water do to sows or nursery pigs or finishers? If you're going to say, I got bad water, what does it do? So really three main things. And as you think about water, what does it take for a pig to survive and do well? Food, water, and air are three things. And we think, well, we got a water source, we're good enough. And you know, water availability, that would be the first thing. If you have a high iron content or other mineral content, just are you getting the quantity of water to the pigs that you need? Or are they getting any water? You know, lots of times you'll get a sludge buildup with iron that will lead to plugged nipples that you're constantly battling. And that sludge can also fill the water lines themselves. So you greatly reduce the flow. So are you limiting growth just off of pure water availability? The next would be the water consumption itself. Iron and manganese, as well as pH and other things, can all impact the pig's willingness to actually drink the water. So although you may have the flow, then it comes to the actual quality and chemical composition of the water. Will they actually drink it? And the third thing would be, you know, just the components that are in the water, especially in freshly weaned pigs. Do you have a high enough sulfate or total dissolved solid level that you're creating a scour in those pigs? Okay, so they don't drink enough, they can't get enough water, and they might get scours is really the things that would come to Those would be the three big things. Depending on your water, you can have more chemical interactions, but for the basis of what we're talking about today, those would be the major topics. Okay, and you mentioned iron, manganese, and pH. In my mind, those are the things that I kind of key in on. Is that really, when you get a lab report, is that what you're looking at? Is, is those three things mostly, or other things? When you get a lab report back, you really break it down into three things. And this actually starts at the farm at the time of collection. You have your physical properties, your chemical properties, and your biologics within that. And so you know from the physical standpoint, when you take that sample and you look at it, what's the color like? What does it smell like? The smell can actually tell you a lot, as can the color with that. But the one thing when I have the lab report, the first thing my eyes go to are your total dissolved solids. That really tells you a lot of what's going on within that water. Just it's a measure of the inorganic salts, so you get a lot of the macro and micro minerals mixed within that that you can look at and say, yeah, we have an issue or not. Okay. And generally, these things, when they're high, they're a problem. It's, you never have a problem with too low of anything. It's elevated levels of dissolved solids, iron, manganese. The pH may be higher, lowest. Yeah, pH would really be the only thing where you can go to a too low with that. Okay. On that, you know, also with your water hardness levels, which is a lower type thing. If you don't have enough minerals in there, sometimes you can leave to some corrosiveness of the of your equipment in the barn itself. Okay, final question here: What do you do about it? You know, so you get bad water. Uh, a lot of people have bad water in barns and they, they think they're struggling with problems due to that. What are the options to treat or correct it that you've come across? Yeah, so there are a variety of things and you know sometimes they can be very simple. Just number one, cleaning your water lines in between turns in the barns to make sure you're flushing out a lot of that mineral sludge that you have build up or potential biologic activity. Acidifying the water can take care of biologic activity or bacteria as well. You know, it's, it's just, it's really important as you're working with those things to determine exactly what all is actually wrong. And then working with somebody that knows how to set that up. 
it's not just, okay, I got iron in my water, I'm going to add peroxide or chlorine to take care of that. You need to know how much iron you have to add the appropriate amount of chlorine or peroxide to eliminate that. So there definitely is a science behind everything, and that's been the biggest thing over my studies the past couple of years that I learned that a lot of variables, they are very interactive as well. Change one thing, you're going to impact a second. So working with a water expert is is a critical step in that process. My question is, well, um, to go to the next level, to really think through it, I just need to talk to you, or is there other resources out there? How do I, how do I get smarter on this? Uh, well, definitely, you know, somebody can call me and I can certainly help them out with it. Uh, just talking to a water chemical company, and if you have big enough problems, which we have in the past, you know, we've actually had to bring an engineer in to help develop an entire filtration system for us to get the water that we were bringing out of the ground of the well to be something that's consumable and quality for the animals. So it, it just depends on the water source. You know, starting with a basic water collection is your first step to be able to identify that. The important thing is, is you have several locations you want to test at. First off, you want to test at the well so that you know that you have a fresh water sample. The second one would be that you want to make sure you're collecting for biologic activity too. You know, if you're using rural water, you could not be finding the potential problem. You could have an E. coli problem, but by the time that gets to the lab, if you're not neutralizing the chlorine in the sample, you're killing off the bacteria with that. So just getting a good water kit and getting that initial sample, and then even the water test company will probably be able to help direct you in the direction you need to go. Okay. Final question as we wrap things up here. Anything that, you, that we missed that you think a producer should know or have in their mind when they're thinking about their water quality? We covered a lot. I, I think it's just important to know, you know, one, the obvious. You want to have ample water at the appropriate level so that your animals can drink and have the best efficiencies that you're trying to get for them. The second would be the quality. You don't want to limit the water availability just off of it's not good enough for the animals to drink with that. But just knowing it's more than just saying, yes, there is water there would be the biggest thing. Excellent. Todd, appreciate you being here. Thanks for being our guest today. And to our audience, tune in next time for the next episode of Swine Time Podcast at Pipestone. Uh, this podcast can be found if you search in iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Play Store music app. We'll be able to search under Swine Time 